Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Blood on the Rocks. I'm your host, Akshay Taylor, and today I'm joined by Connor Williams. Hello. You may remember him. He's from the first episode of the series, which I can't remember the name of. It was something about... It was something... Something in Haitian Zombies. I remember the uh, topic. (laughs) I did. I I remember now, yes. It was um, Murder Voodoo Sushi. That's what it was. (laughs) Cool. So, what are you going to be talking about today? So, uh, what I'm going to talk about today will be um, to do with mass hysteria and conversion disorder, psychological conditions. I'm going to talk about things like the Dancing Plague and other cases of mass hysteria during history. Yeah, this is quite interesting. I've heard a couple of podcasts, I think, on the Dancing Plague, and I'd never get bored of it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant story, I think. It's very strange. Mm. And for me, the fact that like, it's the sort of thing that can happen to anyone, mm. I find it very interesting. Yeah. And I'm going to be talking about a guy called Marvin Hemeyer. And I'm going to reserve why I'm talking about him until later, because I love the story. I found it yeah. at one o'clock today, and I was like, I have to change my topic for the recording. Uh, well, I'm very interested <laughs> to hear, hear what about this guy, so I do think that you should go first. Go straight into it. Okay, you want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. Get that, straight into cool. it. In that case, we will cut to a promo for uh, of Myth and Mercy, who are a great, a great podcast. I really like their episodes on on Shinriko cult. The, I haven't in, heard of it. In Japan, it's yeah. super, it's crazy. Oh, I haven't but heard like, it. That's, there's definitely a good start on for them, I think. But yeah, so we'll cut to that, and then we'll be back uh, with my story. Sounds good. The amount of violence, crime, and horror which occurs every second, let alone every year, is psychologically impossible for a single human mind to process. Which is why our podcast is called A Myth and Mercy. Two friends, I'm Cassandra. I'm Alice. We aim to bring attention to obscure, little-known cases and topics with a focus on marginalized victims. Come and find us on iTunes, Google Play, and other major podcast platforms and social media, and through our site at ofmythandmercy.com. I'm screaming through the whole promo next time. (sighs) And we are back. So, come on, I'm going to be talking about Marvin Hemeyer. I'm very interested uh, well, to find out who he is. Yep. So, Marvin John Hemeyer, born on October 28, 1951. He was um, a guy that lived in Granby, Colorado. Yeah. Well, in America. And he was a welder and an automobile muffler repair shop owner. It's a very specific repair shop. That's what I thought, and it was. It's... And it took me, like, how many times to say just now? Yeah, there's... <laughs> Uh, I don't know what the, what's wrong with the rest of your car, but I can make your muffler great. Yep. So he lived in Grand Lake, Colorado, about uh, 16 miles away from the place of Granby. And he moved to town about 10 years before the incident in, in question happened. Okay. Uh, he didn't have any like relatives in the area, but he did have friends and stuff, just just so you get an idea of the guy first. Like, a guy called John Baldry, who was his friend, said that he, he may was a likeable person. Ken Hemeyer, um, when talking about his brother, uh, said that he'd bend over backwards to anyone. Uh, I, feel, I feel like we're about to start talking about a serial killer. <laughs> no, actually. We're not, no. Oh, even um, more intrigued. And So generally people thought he was quite a nice, uh, agreeable person. Though one, one time a person called Christy Baker claimed that her husband was threatened by Hemeyer after refusing to pay for a disputed muffler repair. <laughs> of course. Got to pay for those mufflers. Mm-hmm. 
though her husband did later pay Himea $124 via an intermediary person. Now, so in 1992, uh, Himea purchased two acres, or about 8,000 square miles. No, 8,000 square metres. Fuck. 8,000 8, square metres, actually. Thank you. 8,000 8, 8, square metres, not miles. <laughs> of land from the Resolution Trust Corporation, uh, which was the federal agency which handled, like, assets of failed savings and loan institutions. Okay. He he, he bought land for about $42,000. He bought it to buy a muffler shop, to build a muffler shop, and later agreed to sell the land to Mountain Park Concrete to build a concrete batch plant, agreeing to $250,000 in payment. So... Substantial profit. Yeah. Though, according to some, to Susan Dodgeff, he might change his mind and increase the price to $375,000, and later demanded a deal worth approximately a million. Why? What do you call it? Unreasonably exp- exponential price increase. It's, pro- it's pretty hefty. So uh, Very hefty. It's said that, lot this, that this negotiation happened before the rezoning proposal was heard by the town council as well. So it's kind of off, off the table from like time. Yeah. Um, so it was an off off the books negotiation bef- uh, up to this point. From what I can tell. Okay. And uh, and then later in 2001, so a fair bit later, mm-hmm. the zoning commission and town's trustees approved the construction of a concrete batch plant, to which he may uh, attempted to appeal his decisions uh, unsuccessfully. Yeah. Because the plan for the concrete plant blocked the access to to his muffler shop that he liked to use. Mm, I can imagine you'd like to use your entrance. Yep. And later he was uh, fined about $2.5,000 uh, by the Granby Town Council for various violations, including junk cars on his property and his property not being hooked up to the sewer line. M- not stuff. being hooked up to the sewer line sounds yeah. very annoying for a workplace. Can you imagine not being able to go work for the nine, like not being able to go toilet for the nine hours you're at work? It's less than ideal. Mm. So we're going to move up on a bit more. In 2002, he purchased a bulldozer with the intention of using it to build an, an alternative route to, to his muffler shop. But the city officials rejected his request to build it. So he just had this bulldozer. This is important. The, okay. <laughs> I'm intrigued. And then 2004 comes around. So he leased his business to a trash company at some point. Yeah. And then in early 2004, he sold the property entirely. Okay. Uh, so no more shop. Yep. But he still had his bulldozer. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you what he did to the bulldozer before I actually tell you what happened. Actually, I'm going to make you guess. What he did to the bulldozer? Yeah. Well, um, wait, what sort of bulldozer um, wait, are you talking about? Like a standard sort of like wedge yeah, bulldozer? Yeah, a, a big, I think, one with a shovel. Did he modify it into a snowplow? It's the only thing I could think you could use a bulldozer for. Yeah, no, I've got no idea. Do you want me uh, to tell you? Go on, yeah, tell me. Okay. So, basically, what he did, he, he had a Komatsu D355A bulldozer and modified it. He did this by fitting it with makeshift, makeshift armor plating, which covered the cabin, engine, and parts of the tracks. Uh, in places, this arm was over one foot thick, so about 30 centimeters, which, and it, basically, it was basically made up of two sheets of uh, steel with concrete in between them. Bloody hell. Making like, did he, did he just, nick it from the concrete plant next door? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure where he got the concrete from, but he got the steel from a from a car dealer in, De- in Denver. Oh, uh, fair. I think it was it was just quick concrete mix. Fair, yeah. So I would assume he just bought it somewhere. Yeah. 
fucking thick armor. Yeah. And one person basically said, people knew he was building the armored bulldozer, but they didn't know why he was building it. He said that he, he might have welded one inch armor plate around the bulldozer. It was more than one inch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, for visibility, the bulldozer was fitted with several video cameras. Now, I've got a couple num- numbers here because there were two. I've seen two numbers. So I'm going to say both. Like, one just says several vis- video cameras, uh, but the other one says seven. Okay. One says several, one says seven for video cameras. And then one says two monitors and one says three monitors for to actually view it on. Okay. Too fair, doesn't matter too much. And the cameras were checked on the outside by three inch shields of bulletproof plastic. <laughs> is, um, yeah. Yep. He definitely doesn't want to be shot in this thing, does he? No. Onboard fans and an air conditioner were used to keep him cool while driving, with compressed air nozzles used to blow away dust from the video cameras. He also had a stockpile of food and water stored inside, as well as an air tank to help provide air circulation. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, more than this, he kept going. He made three gun ports. For fuck's sake. Fitted for a for a fifty caliber anti-material rifle, a .308 semi-automatic, and a .22 long rifle. Each fitted with a half-inch thick steel plate. On top of this, it's pretty obvious that he had no intention of leaving this after he le- after he got in it. Like, as on that instant, yeah, he's the he basically the a homemade crane kind of winch thing to place on top and then and seal it. Yeah, the the only way that um, he'd anyone would really be able to get the lid, the lid off would be with welders or a crane, basically. Yeah, probably both. Yeah. Now you'll like this part because this because this is the section that is titled Rampage. <laughs> yeah. And now you know that. I'm gonna ask you a question. This bulldozer after after this rampage, yeah, and they nickname from the media. What was it? I'll give you a hint. It's pretty fucking metal. <laughs> it's going to be bulldozer of something. No, uh, it's one word. One word. Metal name for a metal bulldozer. Oh no, not a clue. Okay, tell no, you. yeah, go on. It was, it's pretty fucking good. It it was nicknamed the Killdozer. That's terrible. And that it's is a terrible name. And that is why I picked this fucking episode. On the one word. I saw the word. Those, uh... I saw the word. I picked the topic and I changed my entire plan for the day. Just, just for the word killdozer. It's too good. Like you might as well call it a shovel headed kill machine. <laughs> like... Oh dear, it's beautiful. Good album, by the way. <laughs> Oh dear. Right. So, in the lead up to this, um, he'd actually discussed plans for his assault over beer and dinner with several acquaintances in Grand Lake at one point. And um, they did nothing. Well, it was not over beer and dinner, so uh, apparently he was talking about the sale of his business and how he had to pay too much money for it, and how the town was involved in undercutting him and would charge him excessive taxes and all these other fees that he had not that they had not assessed to other people. And apparently he said, by God, I'm going to bulldoze those businesses. The businesses all, of all the people who have done this to him. Just uh, casually over dinner. <laughs> just... I mean, we've taught dumber stuff when we're drunk. <laughs> true, true. Can't <laughs> think of any right now, but true. <laughs> like, especially they just thought it was just being pissed off. <laughs> yeah, they thought it was all to talk. To be fair, 
they wouldn't be too wrong. Yeah. He was pretty pissed off. <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, 4 p.m. on Friday, June 4, June 4, 2004, they found out that these threats weren't idle fantasies. Yeah. <laughs> on the morning of June 4th, which was apparently grey and drizzly. <laughs> we, can, we can go back and just check, check the weather report for the day. <laughs> well, that's what, well, that's what this, that's what my notes say. Uh, he may mailed some audio tapes to his brother, went to his shop, and climbed into his bulldozer with a handwritten list of targets. He lo- he lowered the concrete and steel shell on top of his vehicle, uh, at which point, to quote, nothing short of a crane would be able to lift the 30-ton armour shell off the vehicle once it was in place. 30 tons? It was the thing, fucking How did heavy. the thing move? He must have, like... I was already just like, the suspension on that thing didn't have it dragging along the ground, let I mean, alone... I guess bulldozers can move things... Yeah, but thirty tons. I mean, I don't know. Like that's it's, just it's still insane. ridiculous. It's still ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, after this, he drove his armored bulldozer, the killdozer. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the name. Which we will now call it for the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Just go with killdozer. <laughs> Through the wall of his former business, the concrete plant, the town hall, the office of the local newspaper that editorialized against him. The home of a former judge's widow, and a hardware store. I'm 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 intrigued as to why the hardware store. Did they like s- sell him something shit while he had he was just like holding I, a grudge? I think it was just, yeah, I think it was just a rival dude. <laughs> it also flattened six of the town's cars, including which I believe included and a pancakes. Pi- I a imagine pi- yeah, a pickup truck as well, <laughs> um, and I believe a cop car. I mean, if 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 you're gonna if you're gonna uh, kill those an entire town, yeah, then. You're going to do it all out, or not not at all, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the guy in the hardware store was a, was a guy uh, he may named in a lawsuit, along with a few others. Okay. Um, everyone who owned a building that was damaged had some connection to his disputes. Yeah, so basically, he just went imagined. one by one and just, just like, fucking at people's houses that fucked with him. Yeah. But only those ones. Yeah. Uh, he's nothing if not, uh, can, like... Oh, I don't know what but word... To be fair, it wasn't as... Um, Clear set as I said, as I made out for it to be. Um, that, that's just how it happened, yeah. I think. It, just, because... it sounds like he's very, very much like set. Is like I'm going to cause revenge, just revenge. Mm. Now, this armor was of very high use because soon enough, Granby was flooded with assistance, like from all over the state, like, including members of Jefferson County Sheriff's SWAT team and the Bomb Squad. Larimer County also sent several members of its special weapons and tactics team. So it was swarming. Yeah. They kind of realised that after a bit that the armour basically made it impervious to small arms fire. Yeah. And also resistance to explosives. (laughs) Oh, that's ridiculous. (laughs) So this guy just made a juggernaut of a tank. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure like I'm pretty sure tanks don't have armour that thick. Yeah. Like Six, six, seven inches, maybe, but an entire foot of steel and concrete is just—it's so, it's so dumb. Yeah, but still, it's so fucking good. Yeah, basically, apparently, three external explosions and more than two hundred rounds of ammunition fired at the bulldozer had no, had little effect on it. Yeah, <laughs> a guy called Terry Herschel, who was a business owner, said uh, he's put armored plates all around it and it's impenetrable. Armor-piercing bullets won't go through it. He's destroying the town of Granby. Uh, the rampage in the end da- damaged 13 buildings, 
um, knocked out natural gas service to City Hall and the concrete plant and destroying a part of a utility service centre. The cost of the damage yeah. estimated to about $7 million. Oh, you know. Bet they wish they just paid him. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like... This is a rebuilding for a while. Yeah. It was like pretty... This is like a couple like, of years of... like, a couple, like At least a year of uh, repairs. As, <laughs> as funny as I'm funny, it's still a shitty thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. According to um, Grand County Commissioner James Newbury, the Grand County Emergency Dispatchers used a reverse 911 emergency system to notify as many residents and property owners of the ramp of uh, in the town as possible. Yeah. Oh, I, I got okay. I got another. I got another couple places that got damaged here. Yeah. Uh, they got mixed up in the notes. Apparently, there was also an electric cooperative and a bank. Fair. I've also just seen a seen a quote later on in your notes that I found very funny. Yep, so yeah. I got some good ones. I think now a lot of people actually defended um, him here for this, um, basically saying that he made the point of not hurting anyone during the rampage. Uh, some people even saying that he went out of his way not to harm anyone. <laughs> Others had different views. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Like honestly, you'll see later that. Um, just as far as I'm concerned, it's just luck that no one got that got injured. Yeah, I imagine when you're yeah, driving yeah. through through walls, it's luck that it's only ever luck that no one gets mm-hmm. in, injured because someone could be standing behind that wall. Yeah. Okay. So I've uh, got some got a couple of quotes here. But the person that he was um, with when he told people over dinner, uh, they said she didn't think she was he was serious. Uh, basically, say, believed that he just snapped because of recent stresses in life, including a fire that claimed his garage and a, and a snowmobile inside of it. Oh, that's true. She basically said, "He's a real teddy bear. No, he's a teddy bear. He's a real lovable, soft, sweet guy. I didn't think he'd hurt them intentionally, but that he would go after their businesses and hurt them financially the way that she, the way he thinks they hurt him." Yeah. Now this is a great quote here. Uh, it's a guy called Ross, and. I'm not actually sure what Ross did. It just says Ross. Okay. But but he said something when interviewed. um, And he said, I saw the bulldozer taking down City Hall. From a block away, I could see the armor plating. When I saw a tank-looking thing, I went home. (laughs) 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 It's so dumb. I love it. Like, Uh, that uh, is exactly what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but like I said, it, like, when you actually look at it, uh, from a different perspective, it's pretty obvious that it's just luck that no one got hurt. Yeah. Like, the sheriff's department basically argued that he may have had uh, installed two rifles in firing ports on the inside borders and fired 15 bullets from his rifle, which is like an anti-material rifle. Yeah. Um, and fired uh, at power transformers and propane tanks. Apparently, uh, had these tanks uh, exploded, if they ruptured, Anyone within a half mile of the explosion would have been endangered. That would include 12 police officers and residents of a senior citizen complex. Yeah. He also fired a lot of bullets from his semi-automatic rifle at um, Cody Dochev when he tried to stop the assault on the, on, the, on the concrete batch plant by using a wheel tractor scraper, which was pushed away by the bulldozer. <laughs> and later on, uh, he may have fired on two state patrol officers before, before they'd fired on him. And... 11 of the 13 buildings bulldozed were occupied until moments before the destruction. 
including the town library, which had the children's program in progress when it, when it began. And it was still pretty impenetrable. Like one guy, one officer dropped a flash a flashbang down its exhaust pipe with no immediate effect. It's because his mufflers were good. Yeah. Um, local and state patrol, including a SWAT team, walked behind and beside the bulldozer, occasionally firing, uh, even though it was impervious to their shots. And attempts to disable the bulldozer's camera with gunfire failed as they weren't able to penetrate the three-inch bulletproof plastic. Uh, my favorite. Guy, my favorite uh, guy from this story is 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 an under sheriff called Glenn Trainer, who managed to climb up on top of the bulldozer and rode the bulldozer, to, quote like a bronc buster, trying to figure a way to get a bullet inside the dragon, <laughs> um, using thirty seven rounds from his service pistol to try and shoot a way in. That's determination. Yeah. Oh, it gets better. Does it? At this point, local authorities and Colorado State Patrol. Rick uh, kind of thought they were running out of options in terms of firepower, and then he'd turn against people, the civilians. Allegedly, the then Colorado governor Bill Owens considered authorizing the National Guard to to utilize an AH-64 Apache attack helicopter equipped with a AGM-114 Hellfire missile, or a two-man fire team equipped with a Javelin anti-tank missile. To dis- to destroy the bulldozer. This late this was late actually deemed unnecessary because uh, he may have got stuck in the Gamble's hardware store. Um, oh dear. <laughs> Guys, we're gonna need the National Guard. Don't worry, he's stuck in a hardware store. <laughs> yep. Um, though in two thousand eleven the Governor Owen's staff ve- uh, denied that, that that was that was considered, but members of State Patrol have confirmed that it was. Yeah. Um and the governor decided against it because, uh, hypothetically, there'd be more collateral damage from a missile strike in the heart of Granby. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like I said, he got stuck in Gamble's hardware store. Yeah. Uh, this because of two, two issues. So, at this point, the radiator of the borders had been damaged and was leaking fluid. And also, Gamble's had a small basement. Yeah. The engine failed and he dropped one treader into the basement and couldn't get out. About a minute later, one of the SWAT team members who'd Swarmed, who had swarmed around the machine reported hearing a single gunshot from the sealed cab. Uh, it was later determined that he may have shot himself in the head with a .357 caliber handgun. And on top of this, a Tech 9 semi automatic machine gun was found inside the cab. So yeah. He'd actually mount that one in the end. Mm-hmm. The episode came to an end about 4.30pm 4, 4 on Friday and lasted 2 hours and 7 minutes. Police used explosives to, in an attempt to remove steel plates. Uh, but after the third explosion failed, they had to cut through them with a cutting torch. Oxycessalian cutting torch. Yes. Powerful cutting torch. <laughs> they were finally able to access and remove his body at 2am on June the 5th. It took them, like, what, several like, hours? Ne- nearly like... 10 hours. Yeah. So, yeah. In 2005, it was, uh, the bulldozer was announced as being taken apart for scrap metal. Uh, with individual pieces being dispersed to many scrapyards to prevent admirers of Himea from taking souvenirs. But yeah, so that was so that was a rampage. Yeah, we got a bit of motivation as well. So basically, they got a lot of the motivations from writing on his on the wall of his shed and uh, the audio tapes that he said he sent in the morning, and he mailed those to his brother in South Dakota. His brother then turned the tapes over to the FBI, who sent them to the Grand County Sheriff's Department, which were then released on August 31, 2004. Uh, being about two and a half hours in length. 
with the first recording being made on April 13, 2004, and the last one being 13 days before the rampage. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that math because I didn't do it earlier. No, I can't be asked either. <laughs> yeah, in the first recording, he said, God built me for this job. Or saying that it was God's plan that he not be married or have a family so that he could be in a position to carry out such an attack. I think God will bless me to get the machine done, to drive it, and to do the stuff I have to do. God blessed me in advance with the task I am about to undertake. It's my duty. God asked me to do this. It is a cross I'm going to carry, and I'm carrying it in God's name. Big, big, uh, big believer, then. Yeah. And notes found by the investigators afterwards uh, found that the primary motivation was probably um, his plan to stop a, the concrete plant, as we thought. Yeah. Because he still held grudges over the zoning approval. Yeah. He wrote that, I am always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable. Sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. He took a year and a half preparing. That's just, sli- he just ha- slightly premeditated. Like, remember, he had, he had this bulldozer two years beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> like, and people knew that he was working on it. Like, he was pretty surprised at this, actually. Because even he was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Saying stuff like he was surprised that several men who'd visited the shed late in the previous year hadn't noticed the bulldozer, especially with the £2,000 lift fully exposed. Somehow their vision was clouded. Oh, and in his tape recordings he said, because of your anger, because of your malice, because of your hate, you would not work with me. I'm going to sacrifice my life, my my miserable future that you gave me, to show you what you did is wrong. He received several visitors at the shop while working on this. Yeah, they also later found his handwritten notes, a list of targets they had on him inside, which included the buildings he destroyed, the local Catholic church, which wasn't damaged, and the names of various people who sided against him. Yeah. If he's had a list of names, it's already definitely uh, true that it was pure luck that no one got hurt. Yeah. So, that was the story of the Killdozer. Yeah. Any last comments? I don't know what to say. I mean, he he definitely had commitment to what he was doing. Other uh, it's, I, other than that, I like the name Killdozer. It's a great choice. It's a great like, name. Like, oh man. Uh, no, I'm glad I, ch- I'm glad I changed my subject. So I was like, I have to talk about this stuff today, <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. Okay, so we'll cut to music and back to your story. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So, Connor, what do you have for me? So, as I said at the beginning, I am going to talk about mass hysteria and conversion disorder, psychological conditions that usually affect large groups of people. And I'm going to start by talking about the most uh, famous, one of the, well, one of the most famous cases that people people know of, uh, known as uh, the Dancing Plague of 1518. Always a good story. Yeah, also also known as Dancing Mania. The outbreak started in Strasbourg. Oh, I can't I can't pronounce the uh, place, but it was part of the um, 
part of the uh, Holy Roman Empire at the time. And the outbreak began uh, in July when a woman named uh, Mrs. Uh, Trophia began to dance, well, constantly in the uh, town square. And after about a week, for, uh, roughly 40 people had joined her in her dancing madness and were still dancing. Uh, so, yeah, it started in uh, July 1518 when a woman named uh, Mrs. Toffia began to dance in the uh, town square. After about a week, they, she had uh, around 40 other people uh, join her, mostly women, and they continued to dance, like, continue to dance non-stop. People were dancing day in, day out for days, apparently, uh, according to uh, medical notes, uh, cathedral sermons, uh, reg- regional chronicles, like, all the historical docu- documents kind of line up to say, yep, people were just dancing for oh, just f- forever. So the uh, main th- thought of this is that it was uh, some form of like mass hysteria um, in which people saw this woman dancing, thought that it was some sort of disease, and therefore the bod- the brain decided that... By, by kind of like the brain kind of decides by being exposed to this person, I now have the disease. So they start dancing with the. She, they started dancing with her, and I think the the thing that intrigues me most about this is the fact that during the dancing plague, like over, it lasted around a month with people dying from exhaustion, heart attacks, um, strokes, all sorts of things. It was like the the body just continued dancing through. All of the pain, Jeez. causing people like serious uh, injuries. At the height of the supposed plague, around fifteen people were dying per day from, like I said, exhaustion, stroke, heart attack. That for that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people for nearly, like I said, nearly like a month. This thing went on. I think it was for about a week that the death rate was around that uh, that high. They had local physicians. Uh, try and figure out what was wrong with people. They tried to. They decided that maybe it was an astrological event uh, happened that had sent people mad, and they ruled that out. Uh, they decided that maybe some supernatural causes were what was affecting these people. So eventually, they decided it was a natural disease caused by what they called hot blood, and the only way to get rid of the disease was to continue dancing. So the town built. But built two dance halls and hired musicians uh, to play while these people danced to keep them dancing. People kept dying. Then after about a month, it stopped. And at the time, no one, um, no one knew uh, what the cause. Like no one knew what the cause was. Over the years, like there's been many speculations. The uh, main, the the main cause that most most people uh, buy into is the fact that it was. Mass hysteria in the case of one person did this, and then other people started doing it because they saw it as a disease. But at the time, there were like such things like some people thought, ah, they're on L- like things like LSD um, or hallucinogenic mushrooms, uh, got fungi. Uh, was, did they have uh, LSD back then? Huh? Did they have LSD back then? Um, not 
not the exact <laughs> not the exact uh, manufactured drug, but something very like similar. Okay. Uh, like... Sorry, I was about to find it really funny. If they just if that was, if, like they were like <laughs> oh, yeah. that was where their technology was. <laughs> yeah. Like the pinnacle. Like the, no, it was like um, going around if, the horse and carriage, but they yeah. have fucking manufactured LSD. <laughs> yeah, manufactured LSD. No, they were, uh, they thought it was some sort of like something like a recreational drug related to. LSD, so like thinking that it could be something from um, ergot fungi. Yeah, that's yeah, ergot fungi, uh, which is something that forms in rye, mm. um, which produces um, ergotamine, which is psychoactive, uh, yeah. naturally occurring thing, similar to LSD. So they thought that maybe it was that, and then things like that. And overall, the uh, total conclusion is that it's a thing called conversion disorder. Like, well, mass hysteria because uh, conversion disorder is a bit more medical than mass hysteria. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, so is like going into things like mass hysteria, um, like people, obviously, obviously like a lot of people know about mass hysteria. There's fa- there's a, loads and loads of famous cases of uh, mass hysteria. One of the ones I found the uh, funniest was, like the earliest one that I found was a case called Cat Nuns. Uh, which I just found hilarious, so I'm gonna have to mention it. It's not as uh, like it wasn't as deadly as like other things. So there was a situation um, in the Middle Ages of a bunch of nuns that started uh, meowing like cats. It, I wasn't able to find out exactly in France where it was, but basically what happened is one one nun started meowing every day, and soon all the other nuns moved like started meowing. And then it became a, th- a thing of, uh, like, every day for a certain period of time, all of these nuns meowing for a while. And then, and no, no, no one knew what uh, was going on. But, like, like, they managed to stop that one after the uh, police at the time threatened to uh, whip all of the nuns. So they, they were basically then scared out of that disease, like I said, because it's a psychological thing. Is if the brain starts it, the brain can stop it. <laughs> and like the police, I, I just found that one just hilarious. The idea of a bunch of French nuns back in the Middle Ages just going meow, so, meow, me- meow. <laughs> for some reason, I, I remember that going much worse. Yeah. Like, okay, no, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm probably mixing things up. Yeah, like, Sorry, who that was just one that I came across quickly. Um, I just I just thought I had to mention, so it may have ended up worse. There, may, there was probably a, there was probably more to the story, mm. but um, I I didn't fully research that one. Yeah. Like, uh, that's fine. Like, like, I honestly I, I don't I've been up all night. I don't, I don't even know. Fair. I don't know what day is anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. Some uh, more recent known cases of mass hysteria, uh, things such as the Halif- Halifax Slasher in 1938. So uh, what happened was. In Halifax, in Halifax, two women got attacked and claimed to be attacked by a mysterious man with a mallet with bright buckles on his shoes. And over the next week, many other people came forward claiming uh, having been attacked by a um, by, by a man, usually wield, uh, often wielding a knife or razor. And the situation became so serious that Scotland Yard became involved. Like they, they yes, yeah, Scotland Yard was uh, appealed to help the Halifax police. And after after about a week, a person came forward 
and admitted to having inflicted the damage upon himself for the attention. Soon after, similar admissions had Scotland Yard wrap up the investigation as almost everyone who had been attacked came forward saying that it was them. <laughs> it was a case of mass hysteria of okay. just, yeah, I, like just people, like, because... I've heard that, but I, st- I, I think that's the first time I've actually known the details of it. Mm. So it was a case of everyone ended up causing these injuries to themselves because other people had ended up with injuries perpetrating the cycle of maybe the people thinking that there was an attacker in town. Yeah. Even though there wasn't. And that's like one of these things it's like where people get yeah, like hysteric because they think that something's going on mm. to the point at which they end up doing something that normally they wouldn't do. Yeah. Old timey memes. Mm, yeah, basically. Old timey <laughs> memes. <laughs> it's no law cats, only murder. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, the most uh, recent uh, interesting one that I came across was a case of a case in 2006 called the strawberries and sugar virus. I've not had this. No, this is new for um, So dubbed the uh, Morangos uh, com Asuga virus, which translates to the strawberries with sugar virus, which was reported in Portuguese schools across the country, named after the popular teen teen girls show Strawberries with Sugar, where more than uh, where three hundred or more students at four, uh, fourteen different schools reported similar symptoms to those of characters in the show Strawberries with Sugar, after having watched uh, the show in the, in an episode of the show Strawberries with Sugar. Okay. Uh, some characters develop a mysterious illness, which uh, included rashes, difficulty breathing, dizziness, and after several, after many, many girls in the country watched the show, 300 or more fell ill with the same symptoms as the um, characters in the show. That's weird. Yeah, it was. Re- yeah, very, like, very weird. It's like rashes as well. Yeah, that's, yep. that's really weird. But that's the thing is, if the brain. Yeah, like, because obviously the brain affects everything. This is if, true. It, like, a rash, like, it's it's not something coming into contact with your skin that makes the rash. It's, it's that thing being irritant and your body yeah. reacting to it. So your body can just react without there being a cause. So you just get the rash. That's so weird. Yeah. I didn't know that one. Yeah. And so they ended up with these symptoms at 14 different schools, for, causing many of the schools believing that there was a life-threatening virus uh, going around closing down and like basically closing up shop for several weeks yeah because of how many how many of these girls were ill so afterwards the the um yeah the portuguese uh, national institute for medical emergencies basically had to uh, get involved and after having found no cause for any of the symptoms and all of the girls getting better they were only able to chalk it up to mass hysteria because it was the symptoms were exactly the same as yeah. those in the show. It was just they they saw this disease and became ill. That's that's so weird. I yeah. I don't even know what to say. That that's yeah. It's completely mental, isn't it? It's like like your brain sees something and then makes your body do it. It's yeah. like you wouldn't like I I wouldn't think that my brain has that much control over my body. But obviously, your brain controls everything in your body, so it does have that much control. Yeah, really. And yeah, it gets really. Um, That's really interesting. Yeah, 
So this like mass hysteria and uh, conversion disorder. The reason I mentioned the conversion disorder is because conversion disorder is a more medically applicable term for for like the strawberries and cream uh, virus. People see medical disorders in others. They themselves can develop the medical disorder, like the medical problem. Conversion, yeah, it's a, it's a mental condition in which someone sees the effect in one person and the body mimics them on them. Mm. Uh, yeah, the rashes and other things with the strawberry cream thing. The most common things for conversion disorder is uh, going blind. Um, like You can go blind just because your body thinks that you're going to go blind and then you can become not blind again once the medical disorder is treated, the mental disorder is treated. So you're basically your brain shuts off your... Uh, okay. Yeah, your brain just shuts off your visual centre and goes, no, I can't see. Huh. Uh, yeah, so there's nothing wrong with the eyes, there's nothing wrong with the optic nerve, uh, there's nothing wrong with the brain. They just suddenly, they can't see. And, yeah, in the same way as someone with depression or um, bipolar disorder or other personality disorders, you can you often treat with... Um, antipsychotics, antidepressants, uh, things like that, things that affect the brain in terms of uh, things. Other, other things that you can lose through conversion disorder is the ability to speak because your um, body just goes, I can't speak. And like it's, and the thing is, like people, uh, some people often consider this um, sort of, is, oh, it's like they're just faking it. But it's, it's not, it's like their subconscious brain, there's no conscious part of their body that's saying i can't do this it's they just can't they like okay. there's their brain isn't responding to anything to do with what they've lost like if you lose your bl blindness you can also become paralyzed yeah not be able to move like and all sorts of things like that's really scary yeah. when you think about it. Like... It's, yeah it's really scary because it's like it, it can happen to yeah. anyone and it's like the most common sort of thing is it's like if you have like debilitating symptoms come on very quickly mm -hmm. is the most common common thing for it is because if when they see it it's like it's usually when people see very bad diseases that they'll start exhibiting the symptoms so it's they'll go straight from zero to having that symptom and it won't come on slowly it's like you won't get like normally with paralysis it's kind of creeping paralysis you you lose uh like lose the ability to move your legs or your arms and it creeps up the body slowly. Yeah. Um, whereas with, I, I, I would, uh, from my understanding, when you have uh, paralysis with conversion disorder is you suddenly can't move. Mm. It's your body just doesn't respond. Okay. Yeah. To bring my section to a bit more of a lighter close, I feel, um, is one of the things they do say about people who develop uh, conversion disorder or mass hysteria is that um, these people, like people, tend to be more like people who who do develop these things tend to be more empathetic, more like it sounds cheesy, more in touch with their feelings, more understanding of others because it, it's almost a disease of being too understanding. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. After everything like, you said, that makes yeah, sense. It's like a disease of being like so understanding of someone that your brain mimics them but it's like, like i say it can it's a very easily like uh, like luckily like it is a very easily treatable um you will need to go through therapy and things like that 
but it's something where people feel general generally it's not the sort of thing that will kill you yeah but it can because it could in the same way it is your brain controls everything else in your body is if it's if you're if you're developing conversion disorder is your brain can basically turn your body off yeah. if that makes sense it can stop the heart it can s- stop the breathing okay but yeah so it is it's i think it's a very interesting interesting psychological interesting psychological disease because it's very like it's very like not well understood but at least it is at least treatable yeah yeah uh, that was great yeah was that everything you had or? I think that I think that was everything I had yeah excellent no that was really good thanks yeah like that's that strawberries and cream one. Yeah, strawberries I'd... and cream is like it was such a weird way. It's like I think it was girls between the ages of eleven and eighteen that were mostly affected. Yeah, it was yeah over three hundred people across uh, Portugal in fourteen different schools. It was just like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I I really enjoyed that. Thank yeah, you. it's a good one. All right, well we'll we'll cut to music and we'll come yeah. back for an outro. And we're back. So, hope you enjoyed the stories. Do you want to plug anything or anyone for you? Uh, um, not that I can think of. Um, you don't have to. I, I, I like to offer. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I can't think of any anyone. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll shout out some people. Okay, Nox Arcana for our intermission music. Yeah. Um, fuck, what have I been listening? I've listened to a few podcasts recently. I can't remember what the fuck they are. I like them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so annoying. If you like something, you just go, oh, Oh yeah, just because I I can't remember if I actually shouted them out last time. Uh, Ignorance was, was bliss uh, because uh, Kate is awesome and uh, talks to me a lot on Twitter and she's very nice. And yeah, she has she has a really cool new show. Go listen. And also, I'm going to go with you know. Let's go back a bit. Well, I'm gonna and also I'm gonna give a sh- another sh- shout out to uh, Good Nightmares. So yeah. Go, go go listen to, yeah, them. Go listen to them. I'll do the same. Right. Oh yeah. Patron coming up. Hopefully that be in a few weeks. Uh depends when I get time in life to do things. Yeah. Um because uni. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get some extra content for that, maybe some stickers, we'll see. I've got a few ideas lying around. Basically it'll be up when it's up. I <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to be free when I can be now. Yeah. <laughs> Cool thing of the week. I always do. Oh, I'm gonna shout out binging with Babish on YouTube because it's a great YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, if you just want to see a very gentle man make food <laughs> without seeing his face, there. Um, that does sound. I always love a good nice. food channel. And he and he and he always make, and he makes food from TV shows and stuff. Okay. Okay. He did stuff like the uh, breakfast dessert pasta from Elf. Oh. <laughs> He's done fucking Eggs Woodhouse for good. Mm. Uh, from Archer, I believe. Yeah, that would be from Archer, I, I would imagine. He, he did Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. Did a few Bob's Burgers. Yeah. And it, that's, I think that's my favorite episode. But yes, anyway, so uh, now social media. Uh, we have Twitter at Bloody Rocks. We have Facebook, facebook.com slash Blood on the Rocks. Uh, I've also got a group page if you want uh, 
episode discussions or whatnot. Uh, sometimes episode hints as well. You'll also get mm-hmm. on Twitter. What else? What else? What else? Uh, we have email address at botrpodcast at gmail.com. I think that's it. I may have forgotten something at this point. I'm sure you're used to me forgetting things, so mm-hmm. I'm sure it's okay. <laughs> so, thank you for listening. Um, really means a lot. Tell your friends. I'll see you next Tuesday.